Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Go with me to the book of Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we read Hebrews chapter 1. Appreciate Ben doing that for us this morning. We read Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to make some reference back to it as we go along through the message today, the Lord willing, and Lord help our helper this morning. Uh, but the main text really is in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. That's where we're going to be starting today. And as you're, as you're getting there, as we're getting ready, just give you a little bit of background information. The book of Hebrews was written primarily as an encouragement for persecuted Jewish Christians not to abandon Christianity and go back to Judaism. And it's very important to understand that at the very beginning, at the outset of the whole thing, because we have to understand this, what we're about to see today, in the proper context. Uh, The verses we're going to look at today are often used in a gospel message and gospel presentation, encouragement to come to Jesus Christ uh, uh, type messages, and that certainly is a principle that we're going to look at today. But it's not the main point. The main point is encouraging those who are already saved to continue in their faith and not to shrink back and not to drift from the word of God and not to drift from the gospel message and not to shrink back from following Christ. That is the main point here. And as Ben read this morning in in 1 through 14, we get in chapter 1 a very unique chapter. First of all, there's no person mentioned as the writer of the book of Hebrews. Many people speculate that it was Paul, and it may have been. There's a small part of one of the verses today we're going to look at that gives us a clue that it might not have been Paul. Okay, and we get there, the Lord willing. But uh, it is written in a different way, not only because there's not a person mentioned as the author, but there is also written in a different way because it is almost like the closing arguments in a courtroom drama. Okay? It is an oration, it is a speech that is meant to drive people to make a decision, and it is, there, there's no command, there's no, there is an encouragement that Christ is superior. If you wanted to sum up the book of Hebrews into just like one phrase, that would be the phrase you could use, Christ is superior. Because Christ is superior to the Old Testament law, Christ is superior to the prophets who gave the law, Christ is superior to the angels, even we read that in verses 5 to 14, as Ben read that this morning. He's superior even to the angels of heaven. He is the mediator of the New Testament. He is the one that God sent, and he has been proven to be the Messiah by his resurrection. And so to go back into Judaism specifically to the original audience of the Hebrews would be a mistake. It would be more than a mistake. It would be a wrong choice, a very wrong decision. Because the things of Judaism are always meant to point to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, all that's been fulfilled. All the prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And even things like the tabernacle, which eventually became the temple, and the sacrifices and the daily offerings, all those things are fulfilled. And the feasts that they, that they did, the feasts that the Jews observed, all those things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is superior. He is the thing to be infinitely treasured above all else. And in light of that, the writer of Hebrews says, don't shrink back from following Jesus Christ. 
Don't shrink back from that. Let's read verses 1 through 4 together of Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Let's pray. Thank you, God, again for an opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us the things of truth from your word and confirms in our hearts, Lord, that the message is true. And I pray, God, today that we would now give attention and heed to your word, Lord, in this hour. Help me, God, with the words to say. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at four things today that we're supposed to give attention to. Four things. I have them there for you in the bulletin. Four things today. First of all, we're to give attention to what we have heard. Now, in the King James Version, the first word there is therefore. Is therefore, and you've heard a lot of people say it. Why is therefore? What is it therefore? We have to know that. Some translations may say, for this cause. What is the cause? What is the therefore? The therefore is in light of everything that we have just read in Hebrews chapter 1. Everything that was there, we are to give more earnest heed. Let's go back with me now. Look at, look at verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets before. That's how the word was transmitted. God in his grace and mercy gave to man the way of salvation, and he showed it through prophecies and through all the feasts and all the things, Passover and everything he gave, and the prophets which spoke of him. But now look at verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. By the Son. This is the reason why we are to give the more earnest heed. This is the reason why we are to give the more expedient attention to what it is. Because now God has brought to fulfillment all the things that were before. Something for us to pay attention to today that gives us a clue that this is for Christians. Look back again at verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore we... Uh, to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. This is a person writing to fellow believers. And he says, Jesus Christ is superior. Back over in Hebrews chapter 1, he gives us several reasons why Jesus Christ is superior. Look with me again, starting at the end of, cha- uh, of verse number 2 of chapter 1. He's spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. By whom also he made the worlds. Jesus Christ is how he made the worlds. The word of God. Who being in the brightness of his glory. Jesus Christ. The radiance of his glory. Some people's translations or or, or versions may say radiance of his glory. That means that he is the fulfillment of all those things. The express image of his person. Jesus Christ is 100% God. And a little bit later today, the Lord willing, we're going to see that Jesus Christ is 100% human. And both of those things are true. And they have to be true. They must be true in order for us to have salvation. And they are true. And there is anyone that says any different is a liar. Upholding all things by the word of his power. The Bible also tells us that Jesus Christ holds all things together by his power. Here's the next one. When he had, at the end of verse 3, he had purged, when he had, when he had himself, excuse me, purged our sins. He's the one that paid the ransom for our uh, redemption. And then finally sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. Those things right there 
tell us today, Jesus Christ is superior to all of those things before. And then we see that Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because in verse 5, he says, For which of the angels had he said at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And then over in verse number 8, But unto the son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. He is superior to the Old Testament prophets. He is superior to the angels. And we are to give the more earnest heed to that. The idea there of the more earnest heed is this. It's to pay attention with caution. When we find that word heed and more earnest heed in other places in the New Testament, the Greek word there has the idea of pay attention with caution. And this is what I thought about the other day in relation to that. Tuesday night last, I was driving Lila to ballet lessons. Okay, and we go over there, Dance Infinity 211 over there for ballet, okay? Y'all are familiar with it because you've lived here longer, most of you, okay? But Twisted Hickory Road has got a lot of yellow diamond signs. A lot of, lot of them. What do the yellow diamond signs on the road mean, right? Pay attention. Something's out there that you can't see. Sometimes they have a deer shape on them, right? It means there's deer, okay? Sometimes there's a curve. And there's lots of curves on Twisted Hickory Road, probably why it's got its name, right? Lots of curves. And some of the curves have roads that come in in the middle of the curve, right? So you're going around the curve, and you can't see this other road until you get further around. Pay attention with caution. That's what those yellow road signs mean. That's what this is right here. Pay attention with caution, understanding that we need to take this seriously, that this salvation that God has given us, and the word that we've heard. The world's calling out to us for our attention, isn't it? I mean, every day there's something new, right? I had to go to the... Verizon story yesterday in Lumberton because Megan's phone's broken. If you've tried to text Megan the last few days, she's not ignoring you. She loves you. But her phone is broken like it won't even turn on, y'all. So anyway, <laughs> the point is that uh, they call out to us. Man, you walk through a Verizon store or whatever carrier you have, man, there's phones everywhere and gadgets and gizmos and Bluetooth this and that. And it calls out to us. And the latest and greatest thing. And what do we got to pay attention to today? And look over here. This is really cool. Man, it calls out to us. But the only thing that's really worth attention and paying attention to is Jesus Christ. He's superior to the things in this world. He's more than all these things. We ought to give heed to what is greater. He ought to be the treasure of our life and what we treasure the most. These things that we've heard, this gospel truth of Jesus Christ, the things that we have heard, you know, how many of you listen to, anybody listen to audiobooks? Okay, there's a few more in this service that listen to audiobooks than first service. But whenever you want to listen to an audiobook, I mean, you, you, you take heed or you pay attention to what you're doing, right? You make provision for it. You listen to it in your car on the way to work or wherever. Or you listen to a certain type of music. Or you want to listen to the news. You want to pay attention to the weather for the day, whatever the case is. You make a provision to do that, right? you got an app on your phone. It's on your radio. You turn the TV on at a certain time. Maybe you have a radio or a TV close by whenever you're in the kitchen. You can watch the news, listen to the news. We make provision for the things that we want to hear. We ought to do the same when it comes to the Word of God. Demonstrating what? We have a new nature. We have a new nature in Christ. We have a new relationship with Christ. We take attention, we, we, the things we've heard. We make provisions so that we're able to do it. Maybe it means that we get up a little bit earlier in the morning. Maybe it means we set aside some time in the evening. But in the same way that we make provision to listen to those things, we should take time and make provision for things of God and listening to that. And why is that? So they don't slip. So they don't slip. 
Lest at any time we should let them slip. What does that slip mean there? It's a word that means to drift. If you want a boat to go downstream, like downstream with the current, what do you have to do? Untie it and put it in the water, right? It's going to go. Because there's a current in that stream. There's a current in that river. You don't have to do anything. And that's the caution. If you, if you untied a boat from, from a, a dock in the lake, the wind and the waves and so forth would, would push it around. You don't have to do anything. Drifting causes no resistance. It's so easy for us to drift into the things of the world, isn't it? Or allow the things of the world to carry us downstream. So not paying attention with warning, not paying attention to caution, not remembering all the things that Hebrews chapter 1 tells us causes drifting. It's when we try to find our satisfaction in anything other than Jesus Christ. When we try to find our ultimate fulfillment in anything other than God and in Jesus Christ, we're tempted to drift downstream by deceitful desires. And so we don't let them slip because Jesus Christ is infinitely greater than anything else in this world. And so we're to give attention to the things that we've heard, but we're also to give attention to the example of the law. In verse number 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of war reward, how shall we escape? And I'll read just that much of verse 3 for now. They kind of go together. But we're to give attention to the example of the law. Now, here we're seeing again, written to Jewish Christians in, in, in this uh, uh, time period when it was originally written. And one of the teachings of the original, the rabbis and so forth, was that the angels were actually mediators of the law. They were the ones that gave the law. I'll read a couple of verses here for you. Acts 7.53, right before Stephen was stoned, he said this to the people that he was speaking to in his sermon, talking about them. You have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Psalm 68:17 says this, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. The place of the law was given. So there may be some indication that perhaps on the day that Moses was there, angels were there on the mountain with him as well receiving. But it was a common teaching, anyway, of Judaism that the angels mediated the Old Testament law. But Christ has already been shown in chapter 1 to be superior to the angels. He's the mediator of the New Testament law, or the New Testament in Christ. And that is important to understand because the Old Testament had, uh, was made steadfast, which says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth the, into that within the veil. It's like an anchor. The Old Testament law was made sure by the fact that every uh, disobedience had a recompense. When you read in the Old Testament, sometimes you'll see that. There'll be a blessing and a cursing. And one of the things they did before they entered, you know, or, or there in Deuteronomy, we see that part of them got on one side of a mountain and part of them got on the other side of the mountain. And that's what they did back and forth. One side said the blessing and the other side said the cursing. But here's the point of all of that. The person who, who sinned presumptuously after being given all those things, willfully, presumptuously sinned, showed in their heart that they had no regard for the law of God. They showed in their heart that they did not take it seriously, even though it was made sure by the fact that everything had an equal recompense of reward. And the writer of Hebrews to us here says this. In the Old Testament law, there was this recompense. And there is a consequence in the New Testament as well. Now, I'm going to say this quickly so that we don't get any kind of 
uh, confusion here. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot be unsaved once you're saved. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. So I don't want any confusion about that. But there is a loss of blessing. There's a loss of fellowship with other believers with Christ. There's a loss of connectedness when we allow ourselves to just drift with the current of the world rather than giving attention and heed. And that is the point of those areas there. He brings up the Old Testament law uh, and the, the recompense of reward, the uh, uh, punishment, so to speak, that was given for every disobedience as a way to remind people that, hey, it was made sure and steadfast by that. It was shown to be true. It was shown to be correct and right. And in the same way, there will be these things. You know, I think sometimes we as Christians, we, we live in a constant distress and defeated type lifestyle because we don't give heed to the things of God. We don't always do it the way that we should, do we? And I don't either. But a lot of times we don't realize the consequences of not taking our salvation seriously. And it causes issues in our lives. So we're to give attention and heed to the example of the Old Testament law. Most importantly here, and this is the next verse, we're to give attention to the message giver. A message giver. So I'll start at verse 3 again. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now again here we see we a couple of times. We see the word us there as well in verse 3. Again, indicators there uh, that this is written originally for saved people. But I do want to say this today quickly. There is a principle here for the unsaved. There is. Primary audience is a saved Christian, but there is a principle here for the unsaved as well. To neglect so great salvation, to treat it lightly. If you, if you here today are trying to trust in anything other than Jesus Christ as your Savior, I beg you not to do that anymore. Get that settled and right today, because there's nothing else. You can't put your trust in anything in this world. You can't put your trust in anything outside of Jesus Christ for your salvation. Because even the things this world, we could put things in right now. We could say, you know, like we were talking about a minute ago, iPhones. We could talk about news personalities, movies, TV stars. I mean, self-help books. We could put a lot of things that are here today that maybe weren't back in 80, 63 to 68. Don't put your trust in those things either. Jesus Christ is superior to all those things as well. There is no plan B. If you remember back over in chapter 1, even, even as early as when this book was written, very early on, like I said, 80, 63 to 68, they called it the last days. And these last days has spoken to us by his son. There is, a, there is a principle here to pay attention if you're an unsaved person. Don't neglect. But the primary application, as I said, is for Christians. The primary application of not neglecting your salvation is for those who are already saved. It's actually the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 22, verses 4 and 5. And Jesus is there teaching and, and explaining. He's using a parable of a person who's inviting people to come to his feast. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 22, 4 to 5. You can go there if you like. I'm going to read it here as well. It says, Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them what you're bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fallings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Now, here in verse 5 is where we get the same word as neglect. It says this, but they made light of it. 
and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. That phrase, made light of it, in Matthew 22, 5, is the same as the word neglect in Hebrews 2, 3. They made light of it. They treated it casually. That's why there's a principle here for a person who's unsaved. Don't treat the invitation of Christ casually. But Christian today, don't treat your salvation casually either. Don't treat it in such a way that it's like, well, it's easy to dismiss. I asked this of the first service today, and again, I'm not going to get, this is not a political thing or anything of that nature, okay? If you received in the mail an invitation to come and eat at the White House with the president, it would not be something you treat casually, hopefully. I would go. I would go. I would go, okay? I would go. I haven't been. Has anyone been inside the White House before on a tour? Okay. Hey, you know what? There are more people here that have done something. You guys need to come to first service, too, so you can tell other people. <laughs> They're missing out on audiobooks and White House tours. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But the last time I was there was actually in uh, um, 1993, 1994, because I was in sixth grade, and we went on a Boy Scout trip, and we, uh, we got a tour. One of the things we did while we were there in D.C. was got a tour of the White House. When was the last time I was inside the White House? I would go just so I could be inside the White House again. And can you imagine what kind of food they would prepare? I mean, look at all that money they got. They take it out of my paycheck every week, right? Okay? They got tons of money there. What kind of food could you eat there? Man, it'd be so cool. I would do it. I wouldn't treat it casually, though. I wouldn't treat it casually. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is warning us against, the danger here. He says, Christians... When you don't give heed, when you don't pay attention, when you don't think about things, when we allow the world to let us drift down the stream without even going and paying attention to what we're doing, it's treating our salvation in a casual manner. Treating our salvation in a casual manner. And it shouldn't do that. It shouldn't slip our minds, so to speak. It shouldn't be treated in such a casual way. Never lose the wonder of your salvation and the full meaning of it. If we ever lose the wonder of our salvation and the full meaning of it, it's almost like taking Hebrews chapter 1 and just saying, eh, it's right out of the Bible. It's so much greater than everything. And we have that in that phrase there, so great salvation. So great salvation. What do we have? We have a great Savior. If you're still there in Hebrews, just turn over so you can find Hebrews 2 verse 9. He's proved to be superior, and he is a great Savior. Look what he did for us. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's a reference to the humanity. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about how, how Christ is superior, and he's 100% God. Here in this part of Hebrews chapter 2, the writer begins to bring in how he's 100% man, and both are, both are true. He's 100% God, he's 100% man. And here's one of the most important reasons why that is true. Look at Hebrews 2.16. For verily he took not on, the him, not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ took on humanity, 100% God, 100% man, so that he could save us and redeem us. He didn't become like an angel to save the angels. All the fallen angels in the world, they don't have a chance of redemption. You do. We have it through Jesus Christ. It was a great, he's a great savior. It was paid at a great cost in Hebrews 2, 9b. He's tasting death for every man. A great cost, his death on the cross. It's for a great cause, reconciliation, Hebrews 2, 17. Look there. 
Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Reconciliation is a big word. I'm going to give you two more. Reconciliation, being reconciled to God, is so much more than, than just fire insurance. We don't treat our salvation like, well, I'm not, I don't have to worry about going to hell because I'm saved. That's a good benefit. It's a good blessing. But listen, that's not the whole thing of what salvation is. Reconciliation. It has inside of it another big word, propitiation. Propitiation is this. It is, a, it is God's wrath satisfied. We don't think about it in that way a lot of times, but we sing it in Christ alone, right? On that cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. We sing it in that, in that song when we sing that song. So important because every person that's born abides in the wrath of God. Now, here's what we can do. We can accept Jesus Christ as Savior, and we can move into the shadow of the cross. And that's where God's wrath was poured out on his son. And it's not on us. We're covered by the blood. Or we can choose to reject it and remain under the wrath of God. Propitiation, God's wrath is satisfied. Expiation, another big word, but it means this. Sins are removed by a pleasing sacrifice. Sacrifice of Jesus Christ was pleasing to God. And that removes our sins. Don't ever lose the wonder of that. It was spoken by the Lord. Spoken by the Lord. The plan of salvation is from God, but Jesus being God spoke it literally on earth. He came down and he preached the gospel message. John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So grace is shown in the Old Testament in all the ways that God gave the law and all these different ways and sacrifice and so forth. Grace was shown in the Old Testament, but Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of it. And because of him, grace shines brighter and grace is the foundation of our salvation. And we're called to pay attention and to listen. If you're there still closely by Hebrews 3, chapter 1. Hebrews 3, chapter 1 says this, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider. We're told to listen to Christ in Hebrews chapter 2. We're told to consider Christ in Hebrews chapter 3. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. In chapter 2, the writer says, listen to Christ. In chapter 3, consider Christ. In chapter 12, fix your eyes on Christ. Some of you may have a translation that actually says that. Fix your eyes instead of looking. Spoken by the Lord. And it's confirmed by eyewitnesses back in Hebrews chapter 2. The apostles who first shared the gospel confirmed it. And if we look at that last little bit there of Hebrews chapter 3, confirmed unto us, that's just a little place where they say, well, that's, that's probably why it's like a second-generation Christian. Paul usually identified himself as part of the apostles. He saw the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and so he usually identifies himself by that. May have been a second-generation Christian who was now saying, hey, the apostles confirmed it to us. They taught us this and showed us. finally today, we're to give attention to the message confirmer. Look at the last verse there. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. God affirmed that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. How do you do it? He did it with signs and wonders. 
Okay? This would have the idea of like the day of Pentecost, speaking in tongues. Every person there heard the gospel in their own language. Miracles. Jesus performed miracles. We're going to read a verse in just a moment. Apostles perform miracles. Gifts of the Holy Spirit is the main way today. You see, the Word of God is complete now. We have the whole Bible. We can read it for ourselves. The Holy Spirit living in us confirms that God's Word is true. It confirms the truth of this book in our hearts. That is what... Confirm the truth there. Yeah, whoo. But he verifies the word of God in our hearts. Some of the spectacular things that happened uh, are not needed anymore, but it was confirmed. It's affirmed by God. And it's according to his will. It's his will in showing that Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that affirms from God that he is the Messiah. I I said this this morning in the first service, but... uh, Christianity is not a religion, but if you'll bear with me for just a minute as I say this. Jesus Christ is the only religious leader, so to speak, okay, that rose again. You can go visit Buddha's grave. You can go visit Muhammad's grave. You can go visit all these other people's grave. They're there, or their body is anyway, what's left of it. Jesus Christ, if you go to his tomb, where they say, he's not here, he's risen. affirmed. Jesus said this also, John 5, 36 and 39, but I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And then in John 5, 39, he says this, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are the scriptures. They are they which testify of me. They had the works of Jesus They had the Old Testament scriptures affirming that Jesus is the Messiah. It was God's will that he showed Jesus to be his son and the one who fulfills all. The one who was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so give attention and heed to those things and don't let it slip. Don't treat our salvation casually. Don't make light of what God has given us. So as we close today, if you're still here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I, I urge you not to continue on that, on that road. The principle that we've talked about here applies. Don't put your trust and faith in anything else other than Jesus Christ. Don't forget about the great sacrifice and the cost that it was to him. There's no other plan. There's no plan B. There's no other thing. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of it all, and he is life. And I just say, come to him today. To those of us who are believers, you know you're a Christian. Don't neglect that life. Don't allow this world to cause you to drift along without giving attention and heed to his word and to the things. Don't forget the Savior. Don't forget the power of transformed living. Don't let it slip your mind that you're saved. Live in light of that salvation. Allow it to wash over. You're condemned, and now through Christ you're saved. Your sins are erased. So don't go on living the same as before, but instead be changed by the Holy Spirit in you. We're going to have a time here of invitation. We're just going to sing a little song. If you need to pray right where you're at, or if you need to come forward and do business here, I just encourage you to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do today. Would you stand with us as we sing like Jesus?